0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today, we discuss about user behavior, how you can analyze uh, and get more traffic and results. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Gerald Parfue. How are you? Very well, indeed. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, in Florida, sunny day, positive mindset. So, yeah, uh, I, I think uh, you're doing, uh, it depends of your uh, mindset. If you set up the right mindset, when, when you wake up, everything will be fine. No, uh, nobody <laughs> can influence if you believe that everything is possible. So it's fine to do Most
1: important and the best muscle in the world up here.
0: <laughs> totally totally uh, I'm so excited to get in my show because I know about similar web. it's my first tool I remember when 10 years I don't remember exactly the time probably 5 or 10 years ago it's a lot when I found uh, this feature uh, when I set up on my extension and told my clients I know your traffic you know I can analyze where you get this traffic wow wow it's impossible no way and you know uh, for some time of course we have a lot of other features many other great tools but on similar web it's a must-have today because you can get a lot more than other tools before we start just tell more about your experience background and uh, share about similar web because you mentioned that you have new features are coming it's interesting to know about them
1: yeah it's super interesting actually because as a company we started out in the competitive intelligence space years ago when a lot of other tools out there actually started for the the specialist or the marketeer and that actually has a lot of downfalls in many ways because. We have a really good idea of what who's in the market who's new coming into the market and so on and now what we're doing is really starting to sprinkle in a lot of specialist featured functionalities so that people can actually not just know about who's new coming into the market but what brand new keywords are driving traffic to those websites and we do this via loads of different data collection methodologies but essentially as a company we're going into that space where we, for example, just a few months ago acquired Rank Ranger, which is a very Mm -hmm. well-reliant and respected SEO um, suite. So as a company, we're going to have a lot more
0: features to come. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Uh, Okay, Uh, let's start from the first question about user behavior. Why we need to learn it? Because, you know, uh, let me share my story. I I remember when 12 years ago, when I started my first online project, I didn't care about that. I created uh, content for the sake of Google, you know, uh, and I didn't care about anything. Google ranked well, Uh, Google provided a lot of traffic, Uh, my websites ranked well, but uh, things changed in some time and got it, I need to learn more, I need to uh, analyze about users' behavior and today I think uh, I don't care a lot about search engines before uh, satisfying user intent. If I know that uh, I uh, did everything in you know to create high quality and valuable content, then uh, I'm thinking how I can optimize with search engines. Can you tell why it's important today to think more uh, about humans not search engines?
1: Absolutely. Well, at the end of the day, search engines are essentially a big algorithm. Um, And thinking of just algorithms isn't really very good. The algorithm can easily be changed. And things you've done historically aren't going to work today. And also, we're very complex people. Um, So going back to that reference about up here is the most powerful and important muscle. Um, If you like, really making sure that we understand our audience has never been more important. So when you look at things that are happening today, for example, um, in recent months, it's things like, you know, removing cookies. This calculation and how it may be calculated historically is actually going to fundamentally change as a result of this technological change. So understanding an audience has never been more important and understanding users as a result is going to be very, very critical for every digital marketeer out there. And what I mean by that is we're not just picking keywords because they have a lot of search volume. We're actually thinking about How does this relate to, for instance, Google BERT, which is all about the understanding of not just what the searcher's searching for now, but what they're likely to search for next? And it's really thinking about the user in terms of what piece of information are they looking for? How can I create content that fulfills that information need? And then more importantly, how can I create my next piece of content to keep that searcher within my website, and as a result, properly engage with them and Critically, having a content strategy that serves users, not search engines. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, can you tell how similar web can help with that? For example, to learn uh, customers, uh, to uh, understand what kind of content to create for them, and to, to choose the right strategy. Because I often see when webmasters are chasing high-volume keywords. You know, they open some uh, well-known tools like SEMrush, Ahrefs, similar, many others. They see uh, high volume keywords and jump on this field but it's competitive it's hard to overcome uh other websites that have authority have uh, other high quality content can you tell how to learn more about users and find the right strategy
1: well the first thing is is to make sure you're looking at the right database and i don't want to sound patronizing or, or, or oversimplifying the problem when i say that but
0: mm-hmm. you need to
1: be looking at on-site search data essentially so on the similar web platform we have this thing called keyword generator and essentially mm-hmm. what it was looks at Google, Amazon, and YouTube as three completely separate engines. And the reason why it does that is there's three completely different databases behind each one, because what we're doing is looking at what keywords are people actually using on each of those engines. Now, as a result of looking at that, it helps brands to create an integrated search strategy. That's to say, they're actually thinking about what people are searching for on Amazon, Google, and YouTube, so that they're not just, for instance, creating a piece of content to rank on Google, turning that blog post, for instance, into a video and putting it on YouTube, that is a really old school way of doing an integrated search strategy. And it's actually then not completely taken the user or the audience in mind. There are different people on each of those engines that interact in yeah. very different
0: levels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember when I decided to set up uh, my user behavior, when I decided to find a new uh, paid marketing channel, I analyzed uh, audience on YouTube and uh, decided to create this uh, marketing um, campaigns uh, by using this data. It doesn't work, you now because people are different. They who uh, are watching... You, yeah yeah because on YouTube on LinkedIn on Google I have everywhere different people you know different band persona so it's not a good idea it's better to analyze specific uh, people who use your website or your youtube channel and uh, pay more attention with that can exactly. you tell about yeah can you tell about similar web how you find all this data traffic from uh, social media uh, uh, other channels because uh, other tools can provide such data I'm interested about that yeah, so we actually have different data
1: methodologies um, in which we obtain that data. Now, we're actually a cookie list company, for example, so we're very um, compliant in terms of GDPR and so on. But actually, one of our data methodologies, and we have actually a landing page on this on the website, similarweb.com, and it's called Our Data. Essentially, we've got four buckets or categories of which way we collect information one of which is called the Contributory Network. And that's actually looking at real user behavior, not at a user level, but actually just in terms of what keywords people are searching for. Um, and that actually lets us to obtain that information because we're able to find out what keywords people are using on Google, for example. And that can be really, really helpful to, to, for us to show our customers what people are actually searching for by search engine. But interestingly, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, a really interesting point point. Then, actually indirectly related to you've been in sunny Florida. Last week here in the UK, there was a heat wave um, and we just it was actually uh, record highs in terms of the temperatures. But interestingly, our behaviors actually changed as a result. So, for example, it makes sense initially, like the number of searches for electronic fans were increasing the number of people looking for air conditioning units. But interestingly, when you look at the same topics across each of the three engines, our choice of keywords are massively different. So what we found using our data is on Google, our search was really broad. So it was looking, for example, for things like quiet air conditioning unit, air conditioning units and so on. Whereas actually on YouTube, it was thinking about more about what the searcher was going to do after they bought that product, in which case it was looking at things like Hard to clean an air conditioning unit, Hard to fit an air conditioning unit in a small corner of a room. And Basically, what that indicates as well um, directly is that the searcher goes to a search engine for a very different reason. So integrated search has never been more important and therefore understanding what keywords people are using is critical to unlocking content
0: strategies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome, valuable. Well, uh I'm interested about the balance between uh, manual job and uh, using tools. For example, uh, uh, we know that all tools provide uh, some accurate data. Uh, Sometimes uh, it's accurate, sometimes not, because it's it's impossible to uh, analyze and provide accurate data. Even in Google Search Console, we can't find accurate data. Uh, That's okay. That's part of the game. But can you tell uh, how to find this balance between uh, analyzing manually and using tools?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's actually, to be honest with you, it's more down about metrics that matter. You know, so arguably you can look through all of the traditional SEO metrics and and look and compare the data. Mm -hmm but really making sure that we're we're thinking about the core thing. One of the most obvious is demand. So search volume is critical to get right. Um, And it's actually one of the reasons why last year, we actually revamped our algorithm and how we calculate search volume. Historically, for full transparency, we just pulled in from Google AdWords Keyboard Planner. Um, And we started to notice a few issues with that. The first being that actually we were getting information that actually categorized keywords into clusters. So it treated like closely related semantic terms as being the same demand. Now, we do know that, for example, in the United States, there are a lot more people who will search either for sneakers versus running shoes. That will be also different here in the United Kingdom. And actually looking at semantics is really weak in that way because there are times when, of course, there are looking at plural versus single of keywords and saying they're the same demand, it doesn't really change the strategy. But when you know, fundamentally, the way people search for a query, in this case, a type of shoe, a sports shoe, that can really help you in terms of what content topic do I want to own and therefore, how can I actually own that? So knowing that accurate search volume is critical. Um, and then of course, making sure that that's fed into the content
0: strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. Uh, can you tell more about uh, local SEO? For example, if we uh, m- many keywords have zero volume and uh, we don't know how to promote such websites for small uh, cities, I don't know, like uh, regions. Uh, can you tell how to find the right strategy for local SEO when uh, all searchers show zero or close to zero volume? Yeah,
1: actually, this is kind of directly um, related to what you mentioned about Google Search Console before. So there are times in which engines do withhold information, particularly keyword level information. So things like the roll ups of like clicks and impressions may for the for the most part, actually, you know, be full and and, and right in that time frame. But actually, when you dig into the keywords themselves, they sometimes don't align. So making sure that we're, we're taking into account that We have things like search volume, but also this is where third party providers like SimilarWeb are critical for digital marketeers, because when search engines themselves withhold information, you need another login, you need access to other data to help formulate your strategy. So looking at first party data um, alone isn't gonna help you succeed online. Now on the back of that, the other problem with search engines, and this is all search engines, they actually not only just withhold information, but actually it's the types of information that they withhold from. So they're likely to show you very well how your brand keywords are doing because you're performing probably quite well for them. And actually probably that's where a lot of your demand comes from, particularly if you're a large established brand um, and company. But when you've got small things, like you mentioned local, we actually have a lot more long tail keywords. And what I mean by that for anyone who's new into SEO, it basically means when you do a search, you've got a lot of words that formulate that query. Or search. And essentially, when you start looking at the data, and this is where third party providers are really brilliant at that, you want to make sure you're developing your long tail keyword strategy because there's actually a lot more voice related queries. In the case of local, it's things like city names. It can be even things like around attractions, so things like monuments and so on. And actually, even as simple as a zip code um, or a postal code. And essentially, that's actually locking down a particular location and then on on that you've also got the reverse where you and I and everyone are actually overall really bad searchers that's to say we don't really think about and plan a search we just go and do it anyways and as a result we don't really think about what keyword strategy we want to do so we have a lot of reformulation of queries that happens all the time but critically for us we'd start to do a search And actually start to refine it and improve the actual quality of that and that same goes for local and that's why there's roughly speaking two types of local seo queries you've got implicit and explicit and implicit is when you're in a city for example and you do a search for something like hairdressers or barbers what the search engine is trying to work out and give a balance of local content versus information about this as a topic Um, Explicit, on the other hand, is literally where you're looking for something like her dressers in city name. And that's mm-hmm. kind of then helping direct the search engine into what types of content and search features should they show. So in answer to your question, long tail is a big difference when it comes to local. And also making sure you're very well versed on the different ways in which people can ask for information, including, for example, slang language of a street or road name needs to be factored into local
0: content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I remember from one study that 80% of all sales are coming from long tail keywords, you know, 80%. So if you are chasing high volume keywords, it's hard to overcome big brands, uh, uh, popular websites, but with local SEO, uh, I think even big brands have no time and resources to cover all possible keywords. Uh, They're coming uh, every single day. 50% of new uh, keywords uh, appeal each day. So yeah, it's a big opportunity. And for example, I often use some tools uh, that For example, uh, looking for keywords on Reddit or Wikipedia, because uh, uh, people uh, open Reddit when they can't find information on Google. So it's a big opportunity, you can find some interesting keywords, and even more, you can take content uh, from Reddit and uh, convert to uh, more uh, optimized content for Google, and yeah, get results with that. Uh, uh, interested about international and local SEO. Uh, by the way, yeah, it's an interesting question because I often see when uh, webmasters uh, uh, promote their websites by using international uh, SEO or uh, national SEO, and uh, it's quite different. Can you tell about the difference between local SEO, uh, national and
1: international SEO, for example? Indeed, and for, particularly for larger brands, um, but actually anyone that's a multi-market brand, and that can even be in two markets, as simple as that, um, you need to have those that that multi-approach to that. So the way it is, is making sure that the data is directing the strategy. So it's not just going out there and thinking, oh, I've been in this industry, I know this industry. Yes, that helps, but it helps in terms of what things should we be looking at, what should we investigate further. But actually, it's making sure that we're thinking about What's the search volume demand? What way do people search on on on-site search, for example, by search engine within that market? How does that differ market by market? And that then helps you to create that national strategy. Now, internationally, we also wanna make sure we're doing the brilliant basics here. So a question that's fundamental to large brands is making sure you've got standardization of which keywords you track. So what I mean by that is you wanna make sure you're able to answer simple things like, for example, how big and how successful is my brand doing globally? To answer that question, you need to be looking at the same branded keywords that are translated as well in some markets that don't have the same language. And actually they're also standardized. So if you work, for example, for a large, big coffee brand, you would wanna make sure you're tracking your brand name across all of those markets. On the flip side, you wanna start to find out how well is the opportunity within each of those markets nationally but on an international global level. So to do that, you want to be tracking more generic keywords like, for example, coffee machines, coffee accessories, those types of terms. And what that allows you to do is to find out which markets have the highest demand for those keywords, including, of course, in, for example, um, Bahasa in, in, in Malaysia, for instance, or indeed Vietnamese in Vietnam. And what that's allowing brands to do then is to work out Where is the biggest opportunity from a brand perspective? That then can help feed in and direct what the local national strategies are. And then local on the reverse of both of those strategies needs to be hyper local. And by that, it needs to be super specific to that market and nowhere else. Now, to do that, you also need to utilize an international team. And when I mean that is it's making sure you've got, for example, the technical abilities to create, for instance, store directories at a local level. So this is where the international global teams can help and support local markets. So things like, actually, do we have a um, business profile from a search engine? Do we have the ability to create local content? Can we publish new pages, for instance? And that's where you can bring in the international teams to support local, but really those teams are very different in terms of the content that's being produced. So in answer to your question, there's three ways in which you can do that.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and uh, you mentioned many times about brand can you tell how it's important to uh, create strong brand recognition for example similar web is a huge brand you know I think all uh, SEO specialists know about similar web if I ask my wife, she doesn't know about similar web. My son, he knows only TikTok, you know, and uh, how Neymar can play football, you know, that's it, you know, <laughs> for him, you know. But uh, uh, all SEO uh, specialists know about similar web. Can you tell how it's important for other websites, uh, for example, SMBs, uh, to create strong brand recognition today?
1: Well, what brand does in its simplest form is two things. One, brands actually help people to work out how well they're performing at a market level, i.e., how many visits am I getting to branded keywords, how many clicks, impressions, search volume, and so on. But it actually really effectively opens up the question of not just looking at my performance, but how I compare in the market. So let's say, for example, you work for a sports company, I would want to be looking at things like Nike versus Adidas versus Reebok. Yeah. What that allows me to do is if I work for one of those brands and I know there's another brand from a branded keyword perspective that's doing much better than me, and whether that's search volume, because that shows there's more interest in that brand, whether that's things like um, estimated traffic from those brands, that actually helps me to start thinking about okay, if I increase my own website's performance by five percent year over year, that's not necessarily a good thing. If There's some competitors in the market have been increasing at 10, 15 percent. So what branded keywords allows companies to do is to really start sprinkling those types of insights in a really easy, understandable way so that you can actually try and evangelize the channel and try and drive forward strategy and change within the organization.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it, love it. Can you tell about uh, covering a buying persona? Because, uh, for example, um, if a blogger uh, creates content about uh, sporting events, I think uh, sporting shoes are not related to uh, blogging because it's e-commerce content. If you search on Google, you can find uh, many options how to buy uh, sporting shoes. And uh, But I often see when uh, e-commerce uh, websites are trying to cover uh, some yeah, I don't know, like uh, the top of the funnel uh, by sh- uh, creating e-commerce content, not for a blog. Of course, it's important for a blog because you need to explain how to use it, why, uh, how it can help, how it can decide your problems and something like this. Uh, can you tell about uh, uh, finding the right strategy covering a buying persona?
1: I think, well, e-commerce is actually quite unique in the sense of automatically it's about scale. So you've actually Mm -hmm. got a huge, big variety of products that that are usually sold. Now, of course, you also have some specialist e-commerce websites who just focus on, for example, fishing equipment, which is super niche in that sense. Mm -hmm. But you've got other ones that are, for example, um, selling all sorts of different products, in which case, actually, the best approach is to formulate and think about two things one which keywords from the search engines data and combined with third-party data including for example the web and what you want to do is to find out not just looking at those at a keyword level but looking at those at a topic cluster level because in essence what you're finding out there is based on the algorithm as it is today what does that algorithm see my website as being relevant for you're never going to take on the word in one go so what you want to do is to really identify which topics you're performing incredibly well for and play to that as you build out your medium and longer, longer term strategy. So to do that, you want to make sure that you're focusing on writing content so that you can better own the space for the topics, the algorithm currently sees you has been relevant for. And that's as basic as looking at keywords that are getting and topics that are getting a lot of impressions, but low clicks, content optimizations involved in that space, new content opportunities based on some of the recent demands and changes you're seeing within the market relating to those topics are important but on the flip side the business wants to actually look at other areas or lines of business so what you want to do is break down your website performance very much like a navigation does on a website so you'll often have categories and subcategories you want to make sure that you're looking at that level of detail as well when you're doing that analysis so that you can really start to understand the number of keywords that are ranked by line of business or business unit and that really helps you to develop that strategy from an e-commerce perspective in particular
0: mm-hmm. yeah well you both uh susan is super active today thanks susan for all your questions uh and she wanna uh, know about where that the search was overall industries if anyone knows you will uh can they reply to this question it's like uh, you know, uh, I, I found on HRS and SEMRush they often uh share uh some studies, uh, the most searched uh words, you know, like Coca Cola, Amazon, many others, uh, it's related to brands. I don't know, Susan, if you can clarify these questions, it will be great, but yeah, uh, I think it's related more uh for words that people are looking for. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I think it's maybe just top, top keywords, top searches, um. Yeah, yeah, probably.
1: I'm not sure if there's uh, another term. There may be.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm interested about uh, link building techniques. Can you tell what kind of uh, techniques uh, marketers need to uh, use today? Because, you know, uh, uh, when webmasters uh, create the first Website first projects, they open uh, read content online and, uh, for example, if you search uh, link building techniques, you can find many obsolete techniques, black hat SEO, uh, many other stuff. Uh, can you tell how to find uh, the right link building strategy when we have I don't know the endless of these link building techniques, and it's better to avoid black hat SEO because I don't know. Uh, I know that some people can get results with that. Uh, that's Good for them. Uh, I don't uh, want to criticize if it works, okay, just do it. It's your choice. But for me, it's better to use white your because uh, it's not a risky game. You can go ahead and it works well. Why I need to use black hat if uh, white hat works? Can you tell how to find the right strategy today? Indeed. And this is actually further
1: reinforcing the need for third party tools. And actually, Ahrefs um, and Majestic actually are two of the, the mm-hmm. more of the tools when it comes to backlinks. Um, And essentially that also establishes that we talked so far about keywords themselves but actually when it comes to backlinks you know forget first party data just look at third party data there's no really combination of such of the two so first of all before we go into like off page i just want to take a step back because i do think it's still really important when you're looking at backlinks it's not always about getting new brand new links into the website and analyzing that all the time making sure that you're maximizing your pages that you already have, that have really good EAT content. Um, and The best way to do that is to review your internal link structure. So you're gonna have some really powerful pages. You wanna make sure that before you're even looking about your other off-page strategy, as part of your off-page strategy, continually look at your internal links. That actually passes acquisition down. I'm going back to one of those examples referred to earlier on. Where you've got those specialist topics and you're writing more content about them and so on. Equally, making sure when suitable, you cleverly internally link to another piece of content to get that searcher into your website through a keyword. But also, when we remember we mentioned earlier about Google BERT, for instance, thinking what's going to come next. If you've got a content that that is thinking about that what's next and it's really well produced and completely unique to what else is out there, link to it that will actually help pass authority. And equally, you know, in, indirectly, the search engines are also able to work out that actually, this website is a specialist in this topic. And in fact, it even links out to. On the flip side of that, also be thinking about who else on the web deserves a star rating. If you like, that star rating is you externally linking out to them. So going back to another random example, if I had a specialist leather shoes store, that's local to one city actually a really good link for me to have is to link out to a quality leather company maybe it's one of my for instance suppliers that I'm really happy with because that person and searcher equally is maybe going to be interested in learning more about the materials of your products that you sell now in direct answer to your question the official guidelines across all engines are never build links with the view of, you know, essentially doing link building, content needs mm-hmm. to be Um But that is, that is true, but it's making sure we're amplifying our content. So it doesn't just help you gain links, it actually can even help that content be found. So for example, Twitter and Google have an agreement whereby, actually when you share a URL on Twitter, Google will index it. So it's not just about amplifying that content. It actually helps basic things like indexation or content being found. Um, And that can be really important. But what you want to be doing, essentially, is to think about different formats of content. People are fed up with the same old thing. Like you and I, if we go on the websites and we see loads of blog posts, for example, we're probably thinking, oh, I don't want to read anymore. You've become exhausted. (laughs) Information overload. Whereas imagine you went onto a website and you saw something completely different. Now, by completely different, it can mean many things, like completely different in the, in the level of research that was done and analysis to the content itself. It could even be completely different, in essence, to the design or even, on the flip side, the performance of it. You know, things loaded really quickly and so on. So making sure you're doing things differently. Now, the trick with content is to make sure you're not just doing it for the sake of doing it i.e. you're not adding to the noise that's already out there. So one thing I say and like to reinforce all the time that I can is don't be just creating three blog posts a week because your competitor does. You're adding to the noise. What gains you backlinks is when you think about what you're producing, you're amplifying it and letting people find and see it, including engines through indexation and you're shouting about little snippets of that content all the time for it to continually be seen. And as a result, people will naturally share it. And as a result, those people who actually have websites, webmasters, may link to it. Now, this actually brings us on potentially to the future of backlinks. I do believe backlinks soon will actually not really factor into the algorithm. And that sounds quite bone for me to say that now, but it makes sense. In many ways, backlinks are for the most part now created by people who are on desktop devices. The world overall is slowly moving towards mobile. We technically have the ability to do so, but you won't really create a backlink on a mobile phone. Who's gonna log into your content management system, write the code in such a small screen. So backlinks actually are now primarily designed for desktop devices. The industry overall is shifting towards mobile. Now, what that also shows is not just device and the influence of the device, actually goes back to one of our questions we mentioned before which is all around audience seos as a community and technical people create a lot of links so engines may well and again this is years away will i believe one day start to and that's probably why there's been a lot more algorithm changes recently they're trying to work out if we remove this as a metric How can we still keep really good, high quality results? Because at the end of the day, there is going to become a point in time, whether that's everyone goes on to apps and so on, there's going to become a point in time where backlinks are going to be much more skewed to the SEO and content communities. And as a result, does that actually make sense for us to really heavily factor in to our algorithm?
0: You you unhide it my love methods, my first uh, because I think interlinking is my the best uh, link building strategy because uh, you own this channel you own this channel you can you know I often see when uh, someone uh, publishes a new post on blog and don't interlink uh, from other posts you know, why you you can earn these backlinks uh, just I don't know for five ten minutes now to. To submit them uh, and uh, yeah i think uh, link building is important but it's not the final stage and uh, decide all the problems in in most cases you need to pay more attention with creating high quality content valuable content and i love it when you mentioned about uh uh, differentiate your uh, strategy from uh, competitors if you replicate them why you need to overcome uh, by the way I, I I don't like the strategy you need to learn your competitors analyze and find how they uh, get results uh, do the same why you need uh, you, yeah
1: and, and there's no difference like you know and I guess the thing that's kind of interesting is in our actual real world lives i.e., not looking at screens you don't go to your friend's house and for instance, look around the room and go, this is a lovely room. I'm going to get the exact same room as this. You know, you might go right and say, actually, that's a lovely TV. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to maybe get the same size, a different size screen, but the same model of TV. Um, mm-hmm. But interestingly, our behaviors are actually still immature. And like when you even look at search itself, you know, like when you said information seeking, that only applied to librarians. So librarians were professional information seekers. Now, the World Wide Web has actually opened up a range of different things. So one of the things that it's actually done is it's become an information medium. And also off the back of that, it's become a potential channel for distribution. So basically, the World Wide Web has opened up those two things. Now, it's opened up an information medium where people are now starting to evolve things like what keywords people use by website and so on. But actually slowly we're starting to become more specialized better searches but overall it's still quite weak for example a lot of people still search for things like shoes and then they realize actually i'm looking for running shoes and so on um but really really it's 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 actually thinking about how the actual overall market is and where we sit within it to actually try and come up with a really good strategy
0: yeah brilliant brilliant uh I have the question about, uh, can you recommend what webmasters don't need to do today? What it's better to avoid uh, because it's obsolete, it doesn't work, uh, it's just wasting of your time? Yeah, well,
1: actually, it, it relates to one question you asked earlier. Never mm-hmm. optimize for the algorithm.
0: Mm-hmm. Interestingly,
1: yeah. when Google PageSpeed with Core Web Vitals was released, for some reason, the SEO community went insanely buzzing about page speed. Now, yes, it's good for the user, but at the end of the day, it's a very small part of the algorithm. And there's no reason why you have a whole web development team of one or more people that is completely, for the most part, dedicating their time to look at the latest algorithm update. That's not gonna help. Things like internal links, things like fixing 404's broken pages are still fundamentally important. Even more important is things like redirect chains Really, really critical that we continue to be continued to fix the brilliant basics and the common things that's wrong with your website. That's the first thing. The second thing is don't chase the algorithm and certainly don't become obsessed with the latest updates that are out there. If you continually doing that, you're never gonna, first of all, formulate a technical strategy. Secondly, you're never gonna get anything completed because there's always gonna be something else out, either confirmed or unconfirmed, from tools like, for example, Rank Ranger. And actually, that's impacting negatively your performance online so we need to move away from those two things wherever we can
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i remember when jeff bezos proclaimed uh many businesses uh, are obsessed because of competitors amazon is obsessed uh, because of customers you know so yeah if you chase it's it's uh, the same you know when you are trying to satisfy google at this time yeah, you've got to satisfy user intent. I, and Google serves human, human beings. Yeah, we need to satisfy them.
1: Yeah. That actually brings us on nicely in terms of like, you know, when people struggle to get technical um things implemented, what can they do? Well, you mentioned competitors. Literally mm-hmm. compare your performance against the competition. Now, of course, the websites aren't going to be, for instance, the same size, which has a massive impact on technical SEO ie if you've got a website of a thousand pages but you're looking at a competitor that has fifty thousand pages you know you need to actually boil that down to your ratio of problems so ie how many broken links do they have versus us and bring that down to your ratio so that you can really balance that metric out and what that allows you to do is to develop a business case internally to say we have these common issues the market is or isn't experiencing these we can lead the way or actually we need to overcome this because we can stand out from what else everyone else is doing incorrectly in the market and those two things can also help you to progress with technical
0: seo mm-hmm. yeah love it love it uh i have the question about the future of seo because you predict uh one time uh, in our conversation uh what kind of future can you see uh what do you think about uh Because, you know, many things are coming, like uh, Metaverse, uh, Web three zero. Uh, What do you think? What kind of future will be? Because uh, we uh, we often see uh, uh, online or uh, here that when people proclaim that SEO is dead. Uh, I, I disagree, of course, with that because I think SEO is alive. And right now I can see SEO is growing. Uh, search traffic is growing and it will not be dropped in one day without any traffic. Yeah, it takes time to change behaviors, even uh, when uh, new things are coming and can replace SEO. It takes time to change uh, behavior and we have this time to adapt to new challenges. What do you think about the future of SEO? Uh, it's shiny or not, and where masters need to pay more attention today to satisfy this future?
1: Absolutely, and actually, really interesting question. I think in short answer to your question, fragmentation. So the way in which we go to search and the engines we choose, like you're going on, for example, TikTok is probably their default, is in essence thinking about what happened 100 years ago. So 100 years ago, in most cities around the world, there was a library, there was a community center, and that was ways for people to obtain information. In today's world, that's dominant search engines, essentially. Now what's happening is, more and more people have the ability to have access to information and as a result that's actually causing fragmentation of search so building integrated search strategies is critical for the future so going away from looking at a search engine that's dominant in your market and moving towards How can I think about my content strategy in terms of digital assets and the content I need to create per asset? For example, videos, maps, reviews, and so on. And actually then starting to think about how people interact with each of those different engines that may even specialize in one of those, for example, YouTube for videos. Then what you want to do is when you've got that integrated search strategy approached, you want to make sure that actually you're starting to think about How you can maintain your digital strategy for the other engines without actually looking at a brand new shiny tool, for example, TikTok and becoming obsessed, but ignoring what you're doing or been doing on the other engines. So going back to the short answer around fragmentation, it's also making sure you've got as well and maintaining quality when you're doing that fragments and and adding more engines to your
0: your, um, workload. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I have the final question, but Mariam want to know about digital marketing strategy. Let's unite my question with uh, Mariam' question. I want to know, uh, can you tell what kind of benefits can I get by using SimilarWeb uh, compared to other well-known tools? And uh, let's uh, unite with market, digital marketing strategy. How I can do it uh, by using SimilarWeb uh, create a digital marketing strategy?
1: Yeah, so... Um, definitely the contributor Network is one of our big differences. So you can see at a weekly level, for example, what keywords people are using that, that week to drive traffic to those websites. So, for instance, you'll actually often see when you look at things like the New York Times, there's a lot of our keywords, for instance, that actually shows you real world events that are occurring today. So whether that's a celebrity event, something that's happening politically, and um, all of those different types of topics what that allows brands to do is to think differently about seasonality and think differently at a keyword level to try and build out that content strategy. Now, what makes us unique is how we actually package up that information. So we have, for example, hybrid search volume, which is a unique metric to similar to with. It's extremely um way more superior than what else is out there in the market because it actually has that level of accuracy because it's based on what keywords people are actually using at market level. And then what we do is we repackage that information up into, for example, um, Keyword Generator, which is all around on-site search. So looking at keywords across Amazon, Google, and YouTube individually, and then actually looking at that even as an industry level. So we have, for example, the ability to very quickly see what's the top most searched for keywords at an industry level what's brand new trending what's actually trending month over month What keywords have come brand new into our database all of those things so um, an answer to your question one strength similar web is keyword research so content and SEO should definitely be using it for
0: keywords mm-hmm. thanks Gerald it's a big pleasure to learn from you to get all your valuable insights uh tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you
1: Indeed so. So I'm on Twitter at Gerald Search. Feel free to connect on LinkedIn. You can also find us at similarweb.com and on the social media profiles of
0: SimilarWeb itself. Yeah, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime because you share a lot of valuable insights. I, I see, you know, when marketers can share a lot, uh, that means they have a shiny future because without value, it's hard to go ahead. So, yeah, as we do, just to share value, value as maximum as possible. Okay, guys, thanks for listening and watching us.